here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. only podcast devoted exclusively to Evolve Wrestling. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Aaron Bentley. And folks, I am joined once again, finally, by Aaron Taub. What's up, AT? Not much. It's, it's, it's great to be back. Um, I'm, I, uh, I think you did an amazing job in my absence. I'm like really proud of the episode you did with Brian from Street Fight. Thank you, Brian, for coming on. I thought that... Uh, you didn't. I love the episode uh, with our friends Nate and Jake. I thought that they really added a lot to the show, and it was, you know, I, I finally caught up on the final weeks, uh, the second Evolve show yesterday, and then right after that, I was able to, you know, because I don't, I didn't want to get spoiled, so I was able to listen to uh, the show you did with Nate and Jake, and I loved listening to y'all's banter, um, and obviously the the Jarek interview was sublime. So while it's sad that I feel um, not needed, unnecessary on my own podcast, uh, I, I think you did a great job and I'm super excited to be back. It's kind of wild that Jarek120 has been on this show more recently than you have. <sighs> That's tough, but it's true. I, I, you know, I was busy with uh you know the that can that uh congressional campaign that i was volunteering on uh i don't know i feel like it didn't get covered in the news much but we but we won I don't know <laughs> yeah, maybe anyone, you've heard of it any, anyone heard of uh this, this uh alexandria casio cortez uh you guys heard it here first which is like kind of the funny thing which is that I mean, everything evolves was ahead of chapo trap house we were ahead of pod save america we were ahead of NPR. We were ahead of like really everyone except for like the people, like the Justice Democrats and brand new Congress people who started Alexandria's campaign. But uh, like after that, like we were kind of, we were ahead of the entire media apparatus pretty much on this story. You guys, uh, you know, it's really, really funny because it was like, I don't know, it was like for like four months. Between like you know the two months of like working through the entire the entire like New York City DSA apparatus to try to sort of like get our organization to endorse Alexandria so we could run our DSA canvases through the the two months that we were canvassing for her it was like this was just like a thing that was happening in my life and a thing that was happening in the lives of like 
200 other people who also kind of put their lives on pause to, to volunteer or, or work on this campaign. And it was just been, it's been such a strange mind fuck to have like this thing that was happening in my life become this giant uh, international news story. Um, I don't know. So yeah, I, I think that um, there's one thing that I was like a little concerned about though, when I listened to our last episode, there was this idea that you can't phone bank. If uh, you can't <laughs> contribute your time, if you're out of state in a race like this. And uh, I just wanted to correct the record on that. Shout out to our friend on Twitter, uh, Abrasive Obelisk. Uh, he, uh, you know, text banked on the Ocasio campaign. It's like, I just, I just wanted to make sure people know that you can give your time, you can give your money. And, you know, if you want to sort of get in on the ground floor on another exciting socialist victory, I'd like you all to sort of take a chance to learn a little bit more about my friend Julia Salazar. She's running for state Senate in uh, Brooklyn's 18th district, uh, Williamsburg, Greenpoint, Cypress Hills, Bushwick. Um, You know, she's running a really radical campaign uh, about that really centers on the idea of decommodifying housing, right? People need homes to live. It shouldn't be this way for like landlords who are parasites, who don't do anything to like just make money from people who are trying to live in their homes. Um, She's running on a a strong platform of like expanding rent protections to tenants in a neighborhood that I'm sure even, you know, like even as someone who isn't in New York, like Williamsburg and Bushwick, these are neighborhoods that are just going through extreme gentrification with landlords harassing tenants out of their apartments so that they can raise the rent. Um, And uh, she's running on Medicare for all here in New York state. Like Alexandria, she's also calling for abolishing ICE. Uh, She's a real deal activist organizer who's running to represent the people of North Brooklyn. And if you want to get involved, salazarforsenate.com, S-A-L-A-Z-A-R-F-O-R, S-E-N-A-T-E dot com. We'll put the link in the uh, in the show notes. Uh, we're all really, 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 really fired up about uh, kind of the socialist movement we're building and the attention that we're getting. And we hope to uh, keep the momentum going. Yeah, I mean, her website has A-T in it. So, you know, she's a big involved pothead. Yeah, right. It's also kind of wild that it's like, you know, it's a little bit of a stretch. Like, it's definitely a stretch, but it's not so much of a stretch to be like, yeah, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, friend of the show. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, she like, she retweets you and stuff on Twitter, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she knows the show exists. I don't think that she would ever listen to it. <laughs> I hope or, not. Or knows, it, or knows what it's called. Sure. But like, she knows that there's a wrestling podcast with two Aaron's who are really into socialism. We're we're basically in Congress now. Like we have a vote. Yeah, we have a voice, right? So yeah. I think that when there are um, issues that come up that affect our community, such as you know anything about net neutrality, so we can get our content, we have a voice. I'm trying to think. I was trying to do a bit, but I was like. <laughs> I didn't want to like insult uh, our listeners too much. I like couldn't think of anything that creative. Um, Well, I I think, I think the way we can really get our listeners on board is to say like, as soon as we abolish ice, 
yeah. the next step is abolish WWE. Right. Yeah. Abolish WWE. And look, I think that, um, you know, we should have less strict borders. Speedball Mike Bailey should come back to him. <laughs> that was very good. Very yeah. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is a fighter for the entire working class, even the wrestling nerds. If anyone tries to come out with a law that says you have to shower, you know, every couple of days, Alexandria is going to fight for us. (laughs) Yes, yes, she is. Uh, If you're interested in Julia Salazar, by the way, she did an interview that was on uh, Chapo Trap House, one of their free episodes. So easy to check out and learn more about her and her campaign. I don't know. She seems very cool. I'm excited about her. Okay. That's not the- uh, I had okay. a question for you. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Now that we're winning, we're winning these elections. Yeah. Uh, when are you going to join DSA? You know, I don't know. I, I have not joined. Uh, I've spoken to you privately about my concerns with the local DSA. Um, but uh, it, it's getting closer to that that time, I think. I think so. I mean, I think you should be the change you wish to see in Louisville DSA. <laughs> well, uh, to put a, I don't know, to really lean into the stereotype, I'm afraid I would be just another white dude in the Louisville DSA. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, well. Yeah. I don't know. There's nothing else to say about that. I mean, look, here's the thing about being a white dude. It's like... You can either, it's like either you sit on the sidelines or you try to help, right? There's nothing you can do to like, you know, like you're always going to have white privilege. You're always going to be like a white person. There's nothing you can do about that. But if you're like, I mean, you should always like try to like seed leadership to people, women and people of, or non-men and people of color and like, you like sort of um, can clear the way when there are are other folks who are more marginalized, who want to lead, but ultimately like the doors need to get knocked and people need to talk to their neighbors. We need to change minds. We need to organize the working class. There is enough work to go around like, and then you're doing the work, right? You know this. I don't have to tell you. You're like, obviously, oh, I, <laughs> like you don't I, have to do this because you're like actually <laughs> doing like revolutionary practice in your job to, you know, advocating for prisoners who've been like really the most marginalized people in society. Like, I don't have to tell you this, but I don't know. I think it's useful to talk about. So I think that like, absolutely. I think that like, if you're like a woke white person, it's very easy to be like, well, like, I don't want to like get in the way and be another white person. And it's like, yeah, I think you can be sensitive to that idea um, and sort of like make way for others to lead when they're ready. But also sometimes it's like, I don't know, the work needs to get done. And also like, especially if you're like a white person, you are more likely to have like economic privilege and under capitalism, only people with a certain amount of privilege can devote a bunch of free time into organizing, right? Because, you know, if you're working 60 hours a week because you have to make rent um, and you don't have health care and you don't have like a family 
that can like serve as like a safety net if you fall or, you know, whatever. Right. Like, uh, you know, you might not have the time to knock the doors. Um, so, and it's like incumbent on you if you have the, like, if you have the privilege to be able to like help and do the work, it's like incumbent on you to do it. Right. We can't just, uh, we can't post our way out of capitalism, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. The revolution will not be retweeted. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, in that's your moralizing for the episode. Yeah. Oh, there'll be more (laughs) from us. Uh, but Alexandria's uh, victory is not the only big thing that's happened since the last time AT was on the show. Of course, you took a big trip to Japan. Yeah. I think, I think our listeners want to hear about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Japan whips ass. Here, here's here's one thing about Japan, though, that you might not know. Um, you have to be very strategic about how you throw things in the garbage. Trash cans are like a hidden treasure in Japan. They're mm. like, there aren't like trash cans on the street. They're freak. They're almost always are not trash cans in bathrooms. Like, I, it was almost like being a sim. Like, you know, in The Sims, if you like don't put a trash can in the apartment, they'll just like throw their trash on the floor and like yell out in like in pain and distress. <laughs> like, that's kind of what Japan is like because there just like aren't really trash cans anywhere. So you really need to like. If you see one, you got to be like, oh, do I have any trash? I got to throw it out now. Or you got to like bring your trash with with you from place to place until you can find the garbage. Um, But is there like a lot of trash like on the street? No, no. People are just very conscientious about Mm. like if they drink a drink and they're like taking it with them, they just like carry it around with them until they can find a hidden trash can. (laughs) Um, It, It honestly, like I'm not, I don't mean this in a bad way, but. Like the only place that I'm familiar with where there's not a trash can in the bathroom is prison <laughs> because they don't want you like hiding things, you know, for visitation. Right. Yeah. So. Um, but otherwise, I, we had a fantastic time. Um, we went to a lot of really cool shrines in like Kyoto, which was beautiful. It, Kyoto is really cool. It's like pretty chill. There's a lot of shrines. Um, it rained like the entire time we were in Kyoto. Um went to Osaka, which is, like, hip. They have this, like, area that's all, like, America. Ameri- I forget. It's, like, Amerimura or Americamura is, like, the area. And it's, like, hip streetwear that's, like, Western-influenced. And it was just kind of funny how strong 90s American culture is in the hip area of Osaka. Like, every every store has, like, Biggie and Tupac and Kurt Cobain and Michael Jordan's number 23 jersey. Uh, that was really cool. Um, we went to, um, I'm trying to think of where else. We went to Nara and saw like the giant Buddha, the Daibatsu. That was really cool. Great Buddha. Um, <laughs> and there's just like deer all over the place. That's like the other thing it's famous for is there's just like deer wandering around this park. Um, and then we went to the floating sh- shrine in Miyajima, the famous floating shrine we all know and love. And then we went to Hiroshima, and that was really fascinating because it was, it was just like a really pretty town and like a cool place with a lot of like great restaurants and 
you know, nice public spaces and we had some great oysters there. And it was just sort of sad that, you know, you don't really, the one thing that people know about it is, or at least internationally, right. Or at least that I would have been aware of previously was, you know, the destruction that came with the atomic bomb. And we went to the peace museum there and it was really, really eye opening just to see that like, there was like no reason for us to drop that bomb. We had like, Japan was pretty much done in the war, like, but the Americans didn't want to cede, you know, they didn't want like the Russians to have like more influence in the Asian sphere. And so they just killed 200,000 people for no reason at all. And so it was just like, I don't know, that was a really eye opening thing and made me sort of think about like, what are the atrocities that we're committing now that, you know, we're going to look back on, you know, 60 years from now and be like, oh gosh, I can't believe, you know, the American government did this in our names. Um, I told you we would moralize more on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, now, but now we're getting to the wrestling. The other thing that <laughs> we have to talk about is I went to two wrestling shows uh, in Japan. Um, we went to the second night of the G1 Climax uh, tournament in uh, we went at Ada City Gymnasium or Oda City Gymnasium uh, and I guess like the suburbs of Tokyo we took the train the trains in Tokyo are like as good as they say it was so hard to like go back to the New York City subway they're super easy to navigate anyone can do it um, even a Joe Lanza I think could make it on these trains um, <laughs> Everything is clearly marked. They're like different colors for different lines. And there's these, these big screens that are like in Japanese and in English that will just tell you, you know, like in New York, there's a schedule, but no one really pays attention to it. It's kind of made up and changes as it goes along because our trains are never on time. But like in Japan, it's like, you know, it says the train is showing up at like 141 and at 141, the train shows up. Um, so we took the train down to, uh, Oda city and the show was awesome. I mean, that, that show had, uh, an excellent Kota Ibushi, Zack Sabre Jr. match. And then the main event was Kenny Omega versus, uh, Tetsuya Naito. That was an awesome match to see live. Um, it's really cool. Actually, like the whole, like, like the basement of the arena was where all the merch and stuff was. And there were dudes just, like, hanging out. It was kind of wild because you think of New Japan as sort of, like, these major league wrestlers. But it was, like, a nice mix of, like, a major league show with some of the access you get at an indie wrestling show. Like, there were people who were just, like, standing out. Like, some of the Suzuki Gun guys were just, like, standing by a table. Not Zach. um, But other guys were, like, standing uh, at, like, a table, like, signing merch. I got to... uh, Juice Robinson was doing a signing. So I bought his like the flamboyant Juice Robinson shirt and got it signed by him. He was friendly. Um, I really love your canvassing pick where it's like everybody has an Alexandria shirt on except you in the Juice Robinson shirt. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, yeah. I didn't get the memo, I guess, because they were all they were canvassing for uh, Cynthia Nixon for governor and Zephyr Teachout for Attorney General and and Jumaane Williams for Lieutenant Governor. Some of my friends from the Ocasio campaign were like, you should come out and canvas. And I think that they said to wear your Ocasio shirt, but I like forgot to wear mine. So I was just showed up (laughs) in my 
my sign, Juice Robinson shirt with his giant ass signature on the back. It was extremely cool. Everyone thinks I'm very cool. And um, I didn't know that part. Yeah, it's, it's really, really good. Um, so they had great merch. Like the Japanese merch is so much better than American wrestling merch. Like all of our stuff are like, I don't know. Like I would never wear a WWE shirt because they all have like hideous shit on the back or they're just like totally gross. But there was so much. I bought the, um, I bought the juice shirt with the different color flamboyant bears, you know, his persona on them. And then I got the, uh, Yano Toro, uh, Vitruvian man shirt. Like, oh, well, now, now, like you've already adopted the, uh, Japanese way of saying names. That was quick. Toro Yano, Yano Toro. What do you say? <laughs> I, I guess you say Toriano. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> That's the one name where I just kind of get it mixed up back and forth because you, I guess you gonna put, that's the point. Yeah. Are you going to put Kanji in your display name now? I mean, I'm not there yet. <laughs> but I have been to Japan. So, I mean, I feel like I'd be pretty justified in doing it. Yeah, sure. um, but anyway, that, that show was awesome. I think it was really cool to... Um, I mean, the atmosphere for Naito Omega was really, really something special. Like, it was like the moment they came out, everyone was just buzzing. It had that sort of big fight feel that you really don't see as much anymore in the States because it's like, um, you know, indies don't usually get several thousand people in them. And when they do, you don't get a match that's like built up as much as Omega Naito. Uh, that has like that kind of like history and weight that their rivalry has. And then obviously like there aren't really big matches in WWE because it's, um, you know, there's no stakes to anything they do. Um, so it was really, really cool to like be in that building and just like feel the vibe and in like the finishing stretch of that match is just bonkers. And um, is there like, is there an American match you can think of that you've been to that had a similar feel just for um, sake? Yeah. I went to uh, the Kenta Kabashi Samoa Joe match, and that had like a similar sort of like buzz from the moment they came out, where everyone knew that they were at a big fight from the beginning. That was like, yeah, maybe a little more anticipation even for that that Kabashi match. Um, that was one match. I'm trying to think of. Oh, there's that kind of had that. I guess like Samoa Joe versus Shinsuke Nakamura, the first time that they wrestled at like the takeover, kind of had that buzz until the match started and it was bad. <laughs> um, sure. Yeah, I don't know. It was really cool. And um, it was cool to go with Alyssa. I think she really liked comparatively like the New Japan show over the WWE shows. I think that she gets like, I think if wrestling shows were like less similar to New Japan and then like two hours long instead of three, she would be like totally cool to go to more. I agree with Alyssa on that point. Yeah. <laughs> right. At the end, she's just like, at the end, she was like, this was fun, but now I'm really tired. This was just a lot of wrestling. Um, but I think she had a good time. We were seated behind, you know, um, a bunch of people. You know, we were seated behind like one woman who was in full like Rapongi 3K gear and bought the <laughs> Rapongi 3K um, 
photo book. It was just oh, like oh. the whole the whole show was just like yo <laughs> show, you know, like kind of doing like it was no matter really who cool. was out there. What? No matter who was in out. No, in the I mean dirt when they were out there, okay. but like it was cool to be amongst the authentic, like sort of, um, you know, like people are, you know, like Ibushi, you know, right. it was like really cool to sort of like. <laughs> hear that live and in person um did, did Alyssa uh think about buying a copy of the photo book no but she was like she did remark that like wwe's wrestlers were like a man's idea of a hot guy and like the new japan wrestlers are what like an actual hot guy looks like like she was like <laughs> she was like yeah I mean, not, there no, you know, you can't understand anything they're saying, so there's nothing offensive. And she was like, yeah, like, I'd go watch some cuties, like, roll <laughs> around for a couple hours. <laughs> Absolute shame, Alyssa. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, um, yeah, so I think we had a good time at that. Um, cool. We also went to, um, and now, like, a running joke in our apartment is just, like, yell, Ibushi you know <laughs> like a female new japan fan uh, around our apartment which is good it's like sort of indoctrinating her into the culture yes. and then we also went to stardom which was like all men you're like oh wow this is creepy you know i don't <laughs> think you realize like just watching it at home just like the extent to which it's just like a perv promotion sure. um so we went to stardom. We went to, it was at Cork and Hall. So it was so cool to like be in that building and look around and like sort of see the weird hallway entrances and like the East and West signs that you're so used to seeing on, on, on your computer screen. We were in the second row for a show that had uh, the big Momo Wan- Wananabe versus Hazuki uh, match for the wonder of the white belt, the wonder of stardom championship. That was great. They just, these just tiny women just beat the shit out of each other. Um, we saw Ray Wagner showed up against like, I guess, Eho Del Wagner, right? Wagner Jr. Eho Del no, Wagner no, Jr. His son. And there was like a trios match that was like, um, uh, Natsu Sumir, it was like the Ueno Tai ladies and Ray Wagner's son against Ray Wagner, um, Mayu Iwatani, and uh, Saki Kashima. And it was just awesome. It was really great. Like, Mayu and Ray Wagner have just a ton of charisma and Kagetsu is amazing. And it was just a really, really fun six person tag match that was like, you know, one of those like great live matches where there's like a lot of like great character work and sort of crowd interaction. Um, that was excellent. Onita showed up kind of randomly <laughs> um, to announce that he was going to be the producer of Stardom Idols, which is like their new sort of like girl band uh, music and TV content. <laughs> Sure. Thing, yeah. Brand. Of course. Um, yeah, obviously. And so that was, yeah, we had a great time. That was a great show and a ton of fun. Um, but just a lot of, you know, sort of like nerdy adult men. 
It was interesting because like the New Japan show had like a ton of women in the crowd and it was like a cool, normal thing. And like the stardom crowd was um, more similar to an American indie crowd. (laughs) (laughs) But um, but yeah, it was really cool. It was like actually we met a couple people from Twitter in Japan. We met uh, I'm going to butcher this because I don't watch Dragon Ball or whatever it's from. But we met uh, Weed Lord Vegeta. I think it's you know how. I, think, how do you, how I don't know. Out? I say Vegeta, but I have no idea yeah. if that's right. Weed Lord that's Vegeta. Vegeta so. we, met, we, we met the Weed Lord uh, and his partner, and they were they were lovely. They were really cool. We had dinner with them in Osaka, and uh, we also met uh, this woman Valerie, who was in the crowd, had like cool young bucks leggings at the New Japan show, and then. Um, she and I were both tweeting from the show and then Kath Barbadaro from Russell Splania was like, you guys should meet. And then I went and had beers uh, with Valerie and her partner at a bar and she got them to put the G1 matches on their computer. And so we like, she like got the bartender. She like signed into new Japan world on the computer and like got the bartender to put it on. And so we like, we're drinking beers and watching Minoru Suzuki, whom I met at his door. Yeah. I got a Mark, my first ever Mark picture. I know I always bag on Mark pictures on this show. I'm proud um, of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's Misu, the god. The god. I bought a t-shirt at his store. He was, like, not super friendly. It was, he was, like, not, he was unfazed. I was like, yeah, I came from America to watch the wrestling. And he was like, oh, okay, you know, <laughs> great, thanks. Um, but I got a shirt. I got a picture with him. I mean, um, would you really want Suzuki to be like impressed by me? Right? No, no, no. It was perfect. He was on brand. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think that was my trip. Any any questions for me about you know my trip and how? You know, I would love if Suzuki was like, oh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, right? Right, right. Yeah, he was like, <laughs> like, oh, you're from Queens. Um, <laughs> No, the real thing would have been like, oh, everything evolves. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, I tried to be slightly realistic there, A.T. Like, um, Are you one of the errands? <laughs> From the niche pro wrestling podcast, everything evolves? <laughs> yeah, that would have been uh, excellent. Yeah. I guess my main question is, how comfortable with you are you now that you've gone to a real stardom show with this becoming a stardom podcast? You know, I don't know. I, what do you think would get us more listeners? This or stardom? Yeah. Uh, well, I posed that question in the group chat, and our friends all thought stardom would get more listeners than this. <laughs> well, Look, I, although I Jake, couldn't. I, sorry, go ahead. Jake did ask me whether it would be a horny podcast, mm-hmm. and that that would have an impact on whether on the number of listeners that we have. Yeah. I would never do the male gaze in public. So of course. Couldn't of course. be horny. And I've never been horny. Right. I, I know that. Uh, so, you know, it would have to be a non-horny stardom podcast, which would probably limit our listenership. Uh, I don't know. The, the, our friends seem to think that would that's the best path, is to have a non-horny stardom podcast. But I feel like people are like, Aaron, we want your takes. Um, give us the takes. And... Uh, 
But yeah, maybe they're right. Anyway, um, no, I could never abandon our friends at Evolve Wrestling. You know, and we'll our fantastic Evolve. Evolve fan listeners. That's right. We will never betray them. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we've talked a lot about non-Evolve things, so perhaps yeah. hilariously on a show that I always start with a podcast devoted exclusively to Evolve Wrestling. <laughs> exclusively to Evolve Wrestling. Socialist podcasts. Random travel that we take. Well, I feel like our listeners come to hear us. They 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 know us. They want to listen to uh, what's going on with us. We don't get into like everything, but I think they want a little flavor of what's going yeah, on in their lives. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can always skip to the Evolve talk. You know, you can always sure. scan to where we start getting yeah. into it. We can put smash. some time. Yeah. You, you can smash the 15-second forward button until yep. you get to, uh, until you hear us say Matt Riddle. Yeah. Okay, do you, uh, I'm just looking at our rundown. Do, do you want to talk any more about the Jarek interview? Do you have anything you want to say about that? Oh, I was just going to say you did a fantastic job, and I'm really Thanks. proud of you. I wasn't just I, setting you up for Record. No, no, no. You rolled with the pun- I put it in the rundown. You you um you rolled with the punches. And if anyone hasn't listened to Aaron's interview with Jarek 120, a revealing soul-searching interview um about his sort of struggles in the wrestling world, I think you should check that out. I think I think we're going to try to get another interview uh uh with some other wrestling folks coming up. We're we're working on something. We've got a sort of uh it's on me. I need to sort of respond to some messages and like, you know, be proactive about setting up times and stuff, but we're hoping, I don't want to promise anything. Probably should cut this. Yeah, um, don't, don't, don't promise. Whatever. Anyway, we'd like to have another <laughs> interview uh, in the future. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. If you haven't listened to the Jarek interview, I hope you will just because as a lot of people talked about on Twitter, it's like, it's a side of an independent wrestler. We don't normally get to see, yeah, they always seem to be kind of uh, puffing themselves up in a lot of ways, you know, when they finally talk publicly. So it's really cool to hear like an actual vulnerable human being uh, who happens to be a pro wrestler. So I, I thought it was for for me, it was very interesting, just like listening to uh, Jarek talk about what's going on in his life. So I, I really enjoyed it. And I hope everybody who hasn't listened will take the chance to do so. Absolutely. OK, now we're really going to talk about Evolve. Hell yeah. Let's get into it. I'm fired up. I watched, yeah. you know, I, I was, I was watching some shows the past couple of days just to get caught up, taking my notes and uh, I'm ready to get these takes off. we got a lot of takes. Right. Let's do the damn thing. Yeah. We'll start with, you know, kind of the big topics. Of course, we're going to be talking about Evolve 108 and Evolve 109, which are this weekend. It's just part of the tour that Evolve is doing with progress. We're, I think what we're going to do is next week, we're going to do a hybrid review show of, this weekend shows and a preview of next weekend shows. It's kind of a weird thing. Evolve usually just runs once a month, you know, two times a month, one weekend a month. This time they're going to be running two weekends in a row. So we're going to mix things up a little bit, but we're not going to talk about at length the uh, Chicago and Detroit shows today. Okay. All right. Before we get into that, some big news around the Evolve universe is uh, WWN has adopted the WWE network model uh, which means that all the shows are now live with your, how much is it? Is it nine ninety nine subscription to uh, WWN Live? Nine ninety nine. 
don't know what that was. That was, um, I really don't know how to sing on key. I'm really bad at singing. No <laughs> harmony or melody, uh, pitch, whatever the other musical things are that you could have. I don't have them. But that was an attempt to do the famous WWE jingle. If you don't recall, when they first came out at the WWE Network, they had this whole like sort of like rock song that was just like about how it was $9.99. And it was just they played it constantly forever if you were watching WWE television at the time. I hope someone is like smashing that 15 second button and then they just get to 999. Yeah, just totally uh, off key. But yeah. but yeah, that's how much it costs now for the club WWN. Right. You and, get the shows live. Yeah. You don't have to buy them uh to get the to get the live or get the VOD. And they're putting the VOD up more quickly. So they're promising them within 72 hours, right? But they've pretty much been up the same day. Um, well, within 24 hours, they've been up recently. So that's all good stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm excited about that. I don't... I mean, do you think it's that... Well, it's got to be that it's not going well and they're trying to goose subscriptions, right? Yeah, I think that at the time we were like, well, it's probably not feasible for them, you know, in terms of their profit margins to do the 9.99 all-inclusive model. And we had thought that, you know, this was kind of their way of saying, okay, we're going to keep selling our live streams and our DVDs. And then our most hardcore customers will get like a small discount or people who just want to go back and watch old Dragon Gate USA. We can make some incremental revenues from them by doing this. Um, But this seems to be saying that, they're struggling to get people to buy at the higher price points and they need to, they're trying to adopt the rest of the market or adapt to the rest of the market and go down to nine ninety nine. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess probably they lost a lot of interest after flow slam in the sense that people were, you know, had, if you'd bought a year long subscription, you were paying $12 a month and now, and then they were suddenly asking you to pay like what, 20 at least. Yeah, 20 or 25. Like 20 or 25 if you wanted the VODs too. Um, so this is good. I think it will sort of... Um, I don't know if it's going to make them money, but it's definitely good for fans who are interested in... You know, for us, it's like our interest is in more people watching the promotion, not necessarily in the promotion turning a profit. Um, so for us, I think it's good because they will have probably more viewers. And it will get more people into the promotion. So I think that that's good. Um, it will be tough for them to raise the prices if they wanted to do that moving forward. Although maybe they would raise their prices more on live tickets and sort of be like, you know, the live experience is a premium thing. But yeah, I think it's I think it's good. And it'll be interesting to see... Um, what happens? Um, Did you catch the uh, Ethan Page podcast where he talked about Evolve? Which one? Was that like right after he left or was there a new one? There's a more recent one on the... Oh, uh, no, no. The Tell Boys me about Club. it. Right. So it's called the Bitter Boys Club podcast, I think. Yeah. It's Ethan Page and the guy from Flow Slam. Who's Brent Brookhouse. Brookhouse. Yeah. Nice guy. I like Brent. Yes. Brent and I've, and nice I've listened to their show in the past. I listened to it like right after it started and Ethan first left evolved and like, I listened to their stuff about sort of mania weekend. Yeah. It's a really good show. I think. Yeah. So 
they were kind of promoting it as uh, Ethan opening up about his experience in Evolve. And because he had previously said he wasn't going to do it unless somebody paid him to do a shoot interview, which he still didn't. He still, you know, was claiming that he was holding back things or whatever. But basically, he went really hard on Gabe. Like, I guess at some point he asked for a small raise. And according to him and Gabe told him that he wasn't worth that. And so he wasn't going to give him that. And that's, you know, Brookhouse asked him, well, when did you decide you were going to leave Evolve? And he said, well, this is a strange answer, but it was when I signed my last deal. Because I think at that time, that's when he asked for the extra money and Gabe told him he wasn't worth it. So he figured it was, you know, close to time for him to uh, wrap up there. And he told a story about how he pitched to Gabe a story where Austin Theory would turn heel and join Ethan Page and help him. Uh, he would attack Zach and help Ethan win the title against Zach back at the match where we all thought uh, that Ethan was going to win in the first place. And Gabe basically told him that it was the dumbest idea he'd ever heard, that he couldn't believe that Ethan was such a mark for the belt, and blah, blah, blah. You'd have to listen to the podcast to get the full flavor of what Ethan says Gabe said to him uh, about this incident. So he goes really hard on it. But the reason I just thought of it when you were talking was Ethan has a lot of the same comments that we did back around the flow slam thing of like all this money coming in, none of it was going to improve evolve. There wasn't um, the product. You know, he talks a lot about the production values, which we've talked about at length on this show and how nothing was done to fix that. And, he says, you know, and I feel like he has got a better idea than we do, uh, that the talent was not getting more money uh, when the flow slam money was coming in. So anyway, I thought it was interesting. I think everybody should check it out if you're interested in Evolve. And, uh, you know, take it for what it's worth. Obviously, Ethan left there on bad terms, uh, but it uh, doesn't sound unreasonable. <laughs> it's not unreasonable to believe what Ethan Page is saying. <laughs> Yeah. Um, solidarity with Ethan Page, uh, yep. who is always like nice to us. Yeah. Which is really, or he, he would like, I feel like he faved some of our tweets. We never really, I don't know. I have like a very low bar for when people are nice to me. Um, sure. but yeah, no, he was chill. Yeah. And this company, and we'll talk about this. This company could use an Ethan Page right now. Yeah, he has this whole thing on the podcast about like, okay, you're doing like the grapple fuck stuff. He's like, I don't really agree. I agree somewhat with what he's saying, but not totally. He was saying that people are leaving WWE and looking for an alternative. And he was almost suggesting that that meant that Evolve should work in some more like pro wrestling writ large type uh, entertainment, not just the straight grappling, technical wrestling type stuff, that that would attract some of those fans. Not sure that I agree with that, but I do think it's it would be valuable to have more of uh, more diversity on Evolve shows, you know, have which they're doing a little bit more of now. But uh, so I, I thought that was interesting, even if I didn't agree with him completely. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think that, like, he was a star. Not, like, a gigantic star. He wasn't a star on the level of a um, 
of a Zack Sabre Jr. or Keith Lee or a Matt Riddle, but he was more of a star than like a Tracy Williams. Like if he was still on this roster, you know, he would still be sort of near the top of the card, right? Oh, yeah. He's a lot more interesting than a lot of the guys that they use. Yeah. Even if Uh, I wasn't always into his stuff. Right, right. Um, So, yeah, that's fascinating. I'm going to check that out. Um, But, yeah, the WWE Network model, I think, is it's really great for fans. You can pay $9.99 a month and get all the shows, and you can watch them live. And I hope that it leads to more people checking out the product. And I hope that they deliver. And also, especially, too, like with this big month coming up with um, four shows this month, that's pretty good. Yeah, four shows for nine ninety nine. I'm like, good. I'm very curious to know what the bottom line looks like and whether this is going to work, whether this is working for them, or maybe you know, we'll see. Right? So there's no, there's nobody to sue them now, so we'll probably never see the, uh, we'll never see the numbers. Right, but you're also like, yeah, well, I don't know. We'll see if there's a, an uptick in people watching their shows at the lower price point, and if they're isn't an uptick in more people watching, right? If we don't sense that more people are getting into the product, we can uh, probably, and they don't, and we don't see them make cuts elsewhere. We can presume that there might be another source of uh, money coming in. That's, that's fair. That's right. Right. If you don't see cuts on production or talent and live ticket sales seem that they're kind of around the same, um, you know, you can do the math yourself, I guess. It's kind of an interesting time to try to get more eyeballs on the product because yeah. they are uh, losing a lot of their talent. Right. Uh, as we know, Zack Sabre Jr. is no longer working with Evolve. Keith Lee is gone to WWE. Uh, the, the word is that Matt Riddle is on his way to WWE. Uh, there's going to be a loser leaves town match on this tour. Either Tracy Williams or Stokely Hathaway is apparently going to be gone. Uh, so kind of a tough time, not a lot of stars to sell to people trying to get into evolve. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting in the sense that we'll see maybe the Tracy versus Stokely thing is like a fake angle and one of them will come back under another gimmick, but I don't know. You could see the logic for either of them leaving. It's like, you know, Stokely Hathaway could be going on to greener pastures. I think he's like a super talented person who could go places. And then you look at sort of Tracy Williams's career and evolve. And you're like, well, they've done kind of everything they can do with him. Right. They're not. It doesn't seem like it would make sense to like push him higher up the card into a main eventer. And he's been kind of in this upper mid card role for like three years now. And it's like Catchpoint has kind of run its course. And I don't know what you, you know, I feel like you can always find something to do with Stokely Hathaway because he, he's going to make, he can, his character can align with like any heel and like, it will be entertaining and it will be good. But with like Tracy Williams, you're like, what do you do with this guy at this point? Um, I mean, I guess, yeah, you're like, especially now that they've sort of turned him babyface, you, you're sort of like, you don't know where to go. Like, I think as a heel, you're like, okay, he can be kind of like your upper mid-card, like gatekeeper, so to speak. 
and maybe he's that he's a guy people beat on the way up on the baby face but i don't know it just feels like it feels like it could be legit and either of these guys could leave and you would be like oh it makes sense that they would be leaving um yeah we're just we're in this weird place now where wwe has started like this hyper fast pace of signing talent from the indies you know there's always been this uh take out there that i agree with that the indies will never dry up because there's always you know new people who are really good who are popping up but that didn't take into account wwe signing everyone really quickly because the idea has always been well they sign the top guys then the middle guys move up to the top the guys you haven't heard of come to the bottom and you know it just evolution right it just plays out over and over but now they've taken not just all the guys on top they're taking the guys in the middle and some of the guys on the bottom and there's not really time for the indies to replenish i mean we'll we'll go through these cards i promise and when matt riddle's gone i guess joey janela is the biggest star in evolve yeah darby yeah, maybe. It's like Darby, Strickland, Janela, I guess, would be kind of like, and maybe AR Fox. Like, I think AR Fox is a start of me. But, and as but, much know. as I like all those guys, right. they aren't Zach, Riddle, Keith Lee. Right. They're just yeah, not. Absolutely. And it's like, yeah. And it's like, you hear all this talk about like, yeah, and I think a perfect example of this is like we hear all this talk about how Austin Theory is going to go to WWE soon or one day. And you look at that guy, and that's a guy who would have, you know, 10 years ago would be like just starting his indie journey. Right? Yeah. A guy only like a couple years into his career who still, I think, obviously has a lot of raw potential. And you can obviously, it's not hard to see what people see in him. And we see it too, but he's not really. Um, a main event drawing star. And so, yeah, no, they are just kind of like raising the talent pool. But then also I think in addition to that, it's not just WWE. It's like the wrestling like evolves in a tough position where it's like, they're the feeder system to WWE, but then they're also competing for high end talent against like new Japan, which is a major league and ring of honor, which works with new Japan and has a big team. I think the business is just really, really healthy and evolve is in a tough spot where they're somewhere between sort of like a minor league indie and a major league company. Right. It's like, they have some guys in promotion who are like major league wrestlers, right? Like who's better. You know, are there, there are not really, any or many wrestlers who you could look at and be like, this guy is definitively better than Zack Sabre Jr. Right. Um, You know, Matt Riddle, as much as we give him a hard time, he's like a major league wrestler. Um, Absolutely. But, but it's not a, but so they're like trying to have this major league talent, but also like, I don't know. It's like, unless you're planning to go to WWE tomorrow, wouldn't you want to take a ring of honor contract over being an evolver? And I think that we thought at the beginning of this deal that everyone was going to leave ring of honor and then like go to evolve. But then the ring of honor guys sort of built their own thing in connection with new Japan. And it's just, yeah, it just feels like a tough place. Like losing Zack Sabre jr. To new Japan was 
really tough for them. Losing Keith Lee was tough. They lose Matt Riddle. That's yeah. It's like they're three big stars leaving within six months of each other, right? Yeah, yeah. They're all um, just gone. And so, and then even when you start thinking about like guys deeper down the card, like your Austin theories, you're like, where is the depth going to come from? It just feels like a very, yeah. I don't know. We'll talk more too because it just feels like there's just too much. I was watching last week's show and it shows and you're just like, okay, they have three singles titles and it's like all three are being contested by like seven guys are fighting for these three titles. And you have tag titles that almost never have meaningful defenses. And you just have like, I don't know, it just feels like there's like a lot trying to happen with sort of a kind of a thin roster that um, doesn't have enough real stars in it. Yeah, and this is kind of playing out everywhere. Like, if you look at the PWG BOLA participants, it's largely guys from other countries. Like, you know, to really fill out their uh, their roster for that, they had to go get guys from everywhere. Because I was just trying to think, like, who are the biggest American indie stars? And, you know, it's still Matt Riddle until he goes. Um, I don't know. <laughs> you know, a lot of the guys are gone. Joey Janela, I think, is a pretty big star. You know, I'm looking at this list on uh, PWG. Sorry about that. On Bola, and it's like David Starr, who, you know, apparently Evolve doesn't like. They've used him a couple of times. Brody King hasn't, you know, made his way there yet. But then there, you know, Darby Allen, DJ Z are there, Tim Thatcher. So guys that they use. But I don't know. Everybody's gone. Yeah. I mean, Brody King was in Evolve a couple of times. Oh, uh, sure. But like on a preliminary basis. Right, 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 right. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's a lot of. I'm like, I see Ray Hor- Ray Horace is on there, and I was like, oh, what's he been up to? So I feel like he was in Evolve, like, years ago. Yeah, for sure. Like, three years ago, and then sort of stopped coming back, but is now, like, seems like kind of a hot star. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, I guess, you know, Evolve uses Walter, who's a big star. Right, but these are all, like, international dudes. Right. Or they're, like, or not... You know, Walter is, right? And and it's like yeah. Thatcher is American, but seems like, almost feels like more like a Brit rest star or like more of like a European star at this point. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. It, it's when dudes like Donovan Dijak, who have not really had a full main event run anywhere, I mean, I guess and beyond, but have not been sort of like yeah. touring, drawing. Yeah, that's the difference. It's like they're taking dudes who are, have not yet reached the level of being like touring, drawing indie stars, for sure. Um, All right, yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk about these cards. Yeah. Evolve one hundred and eight, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. What is that? Saturday, August fourth at four p.m. Yeah. Yeah. Today's Thursday. <laughs> We're recording this on Thursday. Okay, the main event for the Evolve Championship: Hardcore Rules. Matt Riddle defends versus Shane Strickland. This is, of course, their third match since May, the third straight Evolve weekend with a match between these two. 
Matt Riddle won the first match by DQ when Strickland wouldn't let go of that uh, key lock that he had on him in the ropes. And the second match went to a no contest after the locker room had to separate them. What did you think about that angle, AT? It wasn't very good. <laughs> it's my opinion. It was like very, it reminded me of there was a WWE pay-per-view towards the end of when I really kind of just gave up on the product where um, like Ryback like speared John Cena. They were having a match and Ryback speared John Cena through like the entrance way. And then the match just ended in a no contest. And it reminded me of that. Um yeah. It was just like a thing that was like, this wasn't, a lot of thought didn't go into this. There were like a lot of like logic gaps and yeah, there just wasn't, yeah, this was like, it just felt like thrown together. Um, for sure. Yeah. So it was a dumb finish, which kind of like blunts my excitement for this match. Um they're really rushing through this feud, right? Because this is their third match since May, and it's the third straight Evolve weekend where they've had a main event match. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I would give them a pass if it's like, oh, we found out Matt Riddle's leaving, so we got to run through this feud to get it over with. But it doesn't feel at all like Shane Strickland's going to win and, and be the champion, so it's kind of like a dumb feud to rush through. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, well, I, I so, mean, I know we're always wrong, but I only say that because Riddle has the next weekend is headlined by a Riddle Derby match, right? For the title, which seems like a more likely spot for him to lose the championship. But we've been wrong before. Yes. Um, but regarding the match, well, I don't know. The hardcore rules thing kind of turns me off. I think these guys are both really good in the ring, and I I love that first match they had. So I'm uh, I'm skeptical of this match, but I'm but I like both the guys. So hopefully it'll be good. Yeah, I think it'll be good. They're both really good wrestlers. Um, it's the return to Philadelphia, which is exciting. I'm really curious right. to see how this Philadelphia crowd reacts. I know that they've been fiending for some Evolve uh, for years now. Uh, they were there for Evolve 10, famously, and it was like they were closing the last iteration of the ECW arena, and the crowd was like. It was a longer show, I think, and they were like really there to see Sabu versus Just Incredible and like the ECW closing ceremonies, and they were booing the Johnny Gargano versus Ricochet match. And then Evolve was <laughs> like, "We're never going back to Philadelphia." Um, and who could blame them, really? And who could blame them? Look, I think there are a lot of really good people in Philadelphia. We have a lot of friends on Twitter from philadelphia live in philadelphia um i don't know that's all i'm gonna say (laughs) wow what a tease (laughs) yeah i mean no but i think it'll be a good crowd because it's like a place that hasn't been sort of they haven't sort of mined the uh the the fandom there for a while yeah i hope so Uh, but i'm like i'm like so sick of ecw i don't care anymore I know it's like meaningful to a lot of people and I saw Gabe posted a nice uh, reflection on his Facebook page about, um, you know, what it means for him to be going back to the ECW arena. Um, Anthony Henry posted like, this was like a life goal for me to wrestle there. So it's sweet. I'm glad that people like have the moment, but I just like, 
don't care. I'm like, oh, hardcore rules match. Oh, hard. Like, I'm just like, I'm just over it. It happened. It's done. I'm, you know, I don't know. Right. It's like the attitude era. It's like time to, it's the attitude era of the indies. Exactly. It's just like, it's time to move on, folks. Yeah. If I never heard about the attitude era again, I would be happy with that. Right. And I, you know, grew up in it. Like, I've, I mean, I already loved wrestling, but that, like, was probably the height of my fandom as a kid. You know, it was during the Attitude Era. But it's just like, it's over. All right. Uh, Evolved Tag Team Championship match. Chris Dickinson and Jocko with Stokely Hathaway and Dom Guarini take on Tracy Williams and TK Cooper. The thing behind this match is that in order to get Tracy to agree to a loser leaves town match, Stokely had to agree to give him a shot at the tag titles. Uh, and, you know, he'd get to pick his partner. And he picked TK Cooper, which, uh, you know, nice little throwback to the South Pacific Power Trip and Doom Patrol matches. Though I would much prefer if this were a South Pacific Power Trap versus, Trip versus Doom Patrol match. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think that this will be pretty good. I think that this will be a... Yeah, I think this will be a really fun match. I thought that they did some good work with some of the mini docs um, on this sort of building up this feud. And we finally saw Tracy Williams say like, you know, I've made mistakes, right? They turned to babyface just because he was victimized and he never was like, Oh yeah, sorry for being a dickhead, you know, for the past year. But he said he'd made mistakes. And the biggest mistake was letting, Stokely Hathaway, you know, take over tat catch point. So that was nice. I don't know. I feel like I'm not super into this feud just because it's like it took them months for Tracy Williams to even express contrition, like really to provide any reason to root for him. Um, but I think this will be a really good match. I think he worked. Tracy Williams is always really good in tag team matches. And, you know, especially I feel like in an environment like this, they're just going to be throwing bombs. And yeah, I think it'll be a good match. Good to see TK Cooper back. And I think that like, right. They had, they basically had to get through three more shows before they could get to the loser leave town match, which is, you know, Chris Dickinson and Stokely Hathaway versus Tracy Williams. If Dickinson and Hathaway wins, Tracy Williams has to leave. If Tracy Williams wins, Stokely Hathaway has to leave Evolve. Um, so I think that they're they're doing a nice job here of sort of like stretching this feud out over the three shows that they need to get to. Um, to this is, I mean, uh, I don't know if TK has been wrestling. I, you know, I don't follow him that closely, but you know, the last time we saw him is when he broke his leg, right? In the, in Evolve. Right. No, took- I thought that that was at the progress show that night. That was during, pro- it was the, it was a, progress evolved double header okay but he right. got injured during the progress show because that was when it got like really hot and yeah yeah yeah. heat gate happened <laughs> sure but yeah this will be uh, fun it'll be good i feel like the they need to beef up this tag team title reign for chris dickinson and jocka because they've held the belt since like september of 2017 and i just remember um like, I don't know, being excited for it, but they just haven't really done much with these titles. Like, they had a couple, like, no contest matches against the end. 
um, you know, things like that. Um, so yeah, it just feels like they should defend these titles more in more meaningful matches, and this feels good. Sorry, that was a really long-winded and like non-substantial talking <laughs> about just, this match. Sorry. It just occurred to me that Tracy Williams is a lot like Travis Banks. Okay. In that uh, they're both really good in tag teams and really boring in singles matches. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's my that's my take. Sure. So this might be like the Doom Patrol South Pacific Power Trip matches. <laughs> Thank you for yeah. that take. Okay, non-title special challenge match. Your WWN champion Joey Janela with Penelope Ford takes on AR Fox, who will be joined by Ayla and the Skulk. What did you think about the crowd's reaction to Janela on last month's shows? It was impressive. Yeah. They were really excited to see him. And I like him quite a bit, but I'm also not like a buying a ticket to see Joey Janela unless it's like a weird Joey Janela spring break kind of match. Same. Like, and I think it'll, I think this will be fun because you'll have like the interplay between like Joey Janela and Penelope and AR Fox and the Skulk. And so there's like a lot of, this is going to be a match with like a lot of good and fun character work. Oh yeah. Um, so I think that this is going to be fun, but like thinking about Joey Janela and Avaho, it's like, am I really excited for like Joey Janela versus Tracy Williams or Joey Janela versus Jocker or whatever? You're, you don't really get up for it. Um, I, yeah. I, I listened, I had, I had to do six hours of driving yesterday for work. And so I needed some more podcasts mm-hmm. and I had heard that Joey Janela was on Steve Austin's podcast. Yeah. I was like, well, that could be interesting. So I downloaded it and I started listening to it on the way back last night. What was most fascinating to me is Austin is like, well, you don't think you're going to WWE, right? <laughs> and I mean, yeah, he laid it into him. And Janela's like, he must have seen it on his face because then Austin's like, or or do you? Or is that your your goal? And Janela's like, yeah, Evolve is the feeder to NXT. So I'm here to like hone my skills uh, so that I can move on to the next level, which was really surprising to me. Really? Yeah, I guess maybe I'm like uh, stone cold here and that I just don't see WWE ever signing Joey Janela. I'm not sure whether they would or won't. But like, I'm, I could have told, like, I feel like I would have guessed that Joey Janela wants to go to the WWE. Especially a guy who like, when you look at him and his character and the way he presents himself, it's like, this is a guy who grew up watching like sports entertainment. Like sure. this is not a guy who was like, or at least in my conception of it, like this is not a guy who was growing up and being like, oh, I want to be like Brian Danielson. Or oh, no, like, in fact, I want to go to Japan and do well, whatever. A little bit. I mean, in fact, he says that he was bored by that Ring of Honor style when he was that age. Like he says nowadays, you know, he enjoys that style, but that he hated it then. And he was, yes, he was into the big WWE style, but he also was into Japan as far as like FMW goes. Right, 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 right. Yes, exactly. But it, this is, yeah, it was like, yeah, I'm not surprised to hear that he wants to go to WWE and he has a lot of personality and charisma. 
Yeah. They're just signing anyone who's like kind of a star to NXT. Like, I think you could definitely get to NXT. Like, I, I think, think it could be like um, a WWE main eventer. I don't know. It's like, I think he has a great look for his character. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he has a the kind of look that WWE looks for. Right. Uh, and I think that still applies. Like, I know they've signed some guys who don't necessarily have the look that you would expect, but most of those guys are are big guys, right? Right. So, I don't know. I guess I was surprised because I just, it's never occurred to me that Joey Janela would end up in NXT or WWE. Right. But at this point, if you can get over enough and we're seeing that he's like, maybe doing it, you can go to WWE. Like, if you're a big enough star, they will sign you. I guess if if you're running NXT and the point is, how many tickets can we draw on our tours, then Janela probably is a good signing because he would be over huge in full sale and uh, with the normal NXT crowd. Right. Um, but know, yeah, they, just, they don't seem to sign a lot of the guys. Who, I mean, I know he doesn't just do death matches, but they don't seem to sign a lot of those guys. Yeah. Anyway, that's completely off the topic. I just thought it was interesting. No. Anything else you want to say about this match? No, I have a take, but I'm going to save it for the WWN Championship match the next night. Okay. All right, we have a grudge match. Darby Allen takes on Austin Theory with Priscilla Kelly. You're deleting things in the run sheet as I'm talking here. (laughs) Uh, Theory attacked Darby after Evolve 107. Uh, to show him that, of course, the FIP Heavyweight Championship is the most important championship. So, I, I don't know. What do you think about uh, Darby Allen versus Austin Theory? I've kind of cooled on Austin Theory of late. Like, he, he's not – his trajectory isn't as upward as I once thought it would be. I agree. He's sort of – it feels like he grew and grew, and then he's kind of plateaued in this sort of level where you're like, okay, he's very good, but – He's not super compelling. His character is like interesting, but it's like Randy Orton. It's like a Randy Orton character. Yeah. And then his wrestling is like good, but not, um, he's not like an elite wrestler. Right. Um, This is a fascinating match, right? Because we've seen this story develop, right? We saw at Evolve 96 going into that, it was like two guys on parallel paths who, you know, William Regal was like, you guys need to be the breakout stars. And, you both should challenge yourselves to like win a championship in the next year. Right. And Austin theory won the FIP championship. He won the WWN championship. And even though Darby Allen beat him in that match, Darby Allen is yet to win a championship in evolve. Um, so I think you have this interesting sort of like parallel paths. They're great sort of contrast between, you know, Austin theory, the guy who has had everything handed to him and is openly talking about being a WWE champion and Darby Allen, a guy who has to scrap and claw for every single thing that he gets. Um, so, yeah, I think that it's like an interesting story. And it's a story that involves Darby Allen, who after his match against Walter, I, I, I think he's the best wrestler in the company. He's certainly he's certainly my favorite guy on the roster right now. And when you look back at kind of like the two matches that are going to stand out, uh, three, the three matches, three matches will stand out to me about this year so far i think and it's like it's like zach saber jr versus darby allen darby allen versus walter or four there, i don't know there's more matches <laughs> i got this wrong but i think that darby allen has been like 
I don't know. He, I think he's the most compelling character in the company. And I think that like it's him and Matt Riddle who are like the two best wrestlers in the company right now. Unless you like, I don't know if you count Walter in that, but right. He's, he's real for me. What I'm trying to say is he's reached another level for me. He's an elite wrestler. He can go, I think wherever he wants and he's going to get over because he's great at what he does. It's funny because go like at that evolved 96 show, I remember thinking it was kind of laughable to include Darby with Austin theory. I thought Austin theory was definitely about to be a breakout star he was obviously on his way to the Fed, and Darby Allen was a nice little wrestler who would probably top out uh, on the high level indies. And Darby has just raced past him, in my estimation, as a performer, as a wrestler. Um, I'm not sure about like long term. You know, in a in a just world, Darby Allen would be a better long term prospect than Austin Theory, but in this world, he's not. You know, I still think Austin Theory. I don't see Darby Allen ever being in like a WWE title match. And you can imagine Austin Theory wrestling, you know, Randy Orton or whoever for the WWE title, uh, you know, in five years or whatever. So uh, I, I do think their paths are interesting and maybe not for everyone, but I think at least for you and me, these two will always be linked together in some way. And it'll be interesting to see how they how their paths diverge from here. Absolutely. Uh, I do think it's interesting that uh, Priscilla Kelly is going to get to the Fed before Austin Theory and that she is going to be working the May Young Classic. So good for her. Very yeah, for good for Priscilla Kelly. Um, yeah, May Young Classic should be. I'll maybe check out the May Young Classic. Oh, yeah, dude. I was like super hyped for it. And then it like was kind of a letdown. Um, like I watched the early rounds and it was like. I don't know. Yeah, it was it was tough early on because there's a lot of really good women women's wrestlers, but not a ton like at the top of the game, right? It's kind of like when Ronda Rousey burst on the MMA scene and people really could she destroyed everybody and then suddenly women started to catch up with her, right? So we're just starting to see that happen. Now, in Japan, of course, it's a different world, but uh so I think there will be early stuff that will be better this time, although some of the people they've signed for it are kind of weird. But the high-level stuff in May Young Classic was very good. Like the uh, Kyrie-Shana Baszler match was good. Kyrie had a great match with Bianca Belair in the May Young Classic last time around. But, you know, this year we're going to have, you know, EO is going to be in the May Young Classic. Uh, so there's a chance for a lot of uh, good stuff. Hopefully, I hope there's an EO Kyrie match in the – May Young Classic this year. I mean, they signed Sada. They got Satamura too, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, Satamura uh, is going to yeah, be there. Gonna, yeah, I, f- I forgot about her. That's uh, yeah, brilliant. They just had a great match uh, in Japan, so it would be awesome to see them hook up in the May Young Classic. Yeah, yeah, I'll try to watch it. Yeah, I'll watch it for sure. All right, four way freestyle: JD Drake versus John Davis versus Josh Briggs versus Odinson, joined by Perot and Drennan. Uh, this J.D. Drake and the end coming back to evolve. I felt confident J.D. Drake will be back. I wasn't as confident about the end, but here they are. Although, interestingly, Perot not wrestling. Only Odinson is getting a, a wrestling appearance here. Hmm. Yeah, kind of weird about the end where it was like, yeah, the Aarons were right after that first weekend. Yep. They made a big deal. 
to like save face in the public eye. Like they were like, Oh, we have a big angle coming. And then it wasn't really a big angle. And they went away for a weekend. Odinson's coming back, but there's like no fanfare. Seems like it'll be second from the bottom four way match. Um, yeah, we'll see. I seems like they're pretty high on Josh Briggs. Like they're going to push him pretty strong and you can see this big athletic guy as a guy that, you know, they would get behind and a guy who you sort of look at and you're like, Oh, this is a person who, you know, will be in WWE soon. And I think that really speaks to kind of like what we were talking about, about how quickly they're signing guys and how hard it is to sort of restock the cupboard for evolve in the sense that like five years ago, we'd be like, Oh, Josh Briggs is amazing. I can't wait to watch his indie career. And it's as he develops and he goes, he gets better and he goes to AAW and PWG and like, you know, really becomes a big star. Uh, but now it's like, okay, he's going to be in Evolve for like a year. He'll be in NXT by, you know, March of 2020, right? Yep. And Stuck he, on the on the Largo loop. Right. Um, so that's a thing that I think about. Like, we'll never get to see him have like a great Evolve main event run right it's funny because like for a long time it was like well i enjoy watching nxt and when they get called to the main roster i'm like okay it's like that person retired you know that's that's it for them now it's like oh that person got signed by wwe it's like they retired (laughs) you know like they're going to nxt uh yeah i still like to catch the takeovers you know but it's just like now i know that i'll probably only see this person wrestle like once or twice a year Right. And if you're a big enough star, you can like get on the takeovers right away. Like Ricochet is wrestling. I'm going to that takeover in Brooklyn, I guess later this month. Um, I guess Ricochet is wrestling Adam Cole. Um, But yeah, what's is Don? What is Donovan Dijak doing right now? I haven't like followed it. Is he on TV? I don't think he's even on TV, but I could be wrong about that. He just got re repackaged, right? Like he just got a new name. Okay. His name is, do you not know about this? No, I think I saw it, but I forget. please read it to me again. It's Dominic Dijakovic. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's the good shit. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's messed up. I feel like they're just like, he's Eastern European. Right. Uh, anyway, I'm glad right. he... Drake is back. Is that like the point of the name was to like highlight it? I have, I mean, sure, yeah, I'm sure, but I, I, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. I'm glad JD Drake is back. Uh, and I'm, did I'm you really notice? They're continuing to book John Davis. Yeah, did you notice that like on the shows last weekend, it seemed like they were falling into kind of WWE speak in terms of like using people's secondary nicknames a lot? Oh no, I missed like, that. When they talked about him coming back, they were like. JD Drake, the the blue collar badass, <laughs> right? That's his nickname, right? Oh yeah, it is. Which is just like, I f- it feels like derivative of Stone Cold Steve Austin in a way, and also mm-hmm. just feels like I don't know. They could come up with a better name, but it also I remember like listening and hearing like Lenny Leonard sort of like do a but like several like. You know, like when you watch WWE and it's like the big dog, like, yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Keep an eye out for it. Okay. Well, uh, I hope Lenny will refer to John Davis as noted 
Everything Evolves listener, John Davis. Is he really? Oh, yeah. He was in the mentions uh, after the last episode talking what about the show. What did he say? I mean, obviously, like, Nate and Jake and I all said nice things about him. So he was oh. happy about that. Okay, cool. cool, cool <laughs> but cool. he was really good. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's um, funny. We were, I was live tweeting the show and I, I guess Jonathan Davis was a surprise. You know, it wasn't, wasn't I mean, not like, it wasn't like Steve Austin showing up, you know, right. but uh, it was a surprise. And Oat was like, oh, I can't wait to like sell you on why John Davis is good or disagree with you about John Davis. I'm like, no, John Davis rules. Uh, so we got to do that. And apparently he was listening. So he enjoyed it. All right. Special attraction match. Anthony Henry takes on Saeed Al-Sabah. Uh, both guys coming off big wins. Henry beat Timothy Thatcher clean at Evolve 107. And Al-Sabah pinned Jaka in a four-way in his, uh, I believe, debut. Uh, and kind of took everybody by by storm. Yeah. Like, oh, this dude is nuts. Yeah, WWN contracted talent, uh, Saif Al-Sabah. No, he was really good. I liked him. Um, I never I heard of him. Look. I didn't know anything about like, him. Kind of got that sort of like militant revolutionary look with the hat. Yeah, I like that. It's good. Yeah, I'm into it. I'm for it. Um, Anthony Henry. Anthony Henry is good. Yeah, it turns out he's like 34. Yeah, I was listening to to you guys on the podcast, uh, and I remember you talking about that. Yeah, no, but he's good. I think that the, this will be good and interesting to see where both these guys go. Like, Anthony Henry is a guy who, like, feels fresh. He has good matches. He hasn't been, like, exhausted. I don't know. Yeah, you can... You could see him moving up the card and sort of doing interesting things. For sure. I agree. I'd like to see that. Yeah. All right. Evolve 109 in Melrose, Massachusetts, August 5 at Sunday at 4 p.m. Uh, the main event, the WWN Championship match, Joey Janela with Penelope Ford takes on Darby Allen. So I guess the interesting thing is that Darby has uh, shots at both the Evolve and WWN titles this month. Uh, he's going to take on Matt Riddle in the next weekend's shows. He, of course, beat Walter and Jarek 120 on back-to-back nights last weekend um i know we're not going to talk about the darby allen matt riddle match yet but which do you think is more likely that darby wins Hmm. not asking to make a prediction i'm just which do you think is more likely Maybe the evolved championship because it's like why have him win the wwn championship like he's like Joey Janela just won it. Theoretically, they're going to keep having him come back. Oh yeah, the I got WWE the sense. championship is so fucking stupid. Just yeah. get rid of this stupid title. It doesn't mean anything. It's fake. No one gives a shit about it. It feels so hollow when like Darby's like, "I want to win a championship, either the WWN or the Evolve," and it's like the WWN is like a fake thing. And it's clearly the secondary title, but they talk about it like it's kind of on the same level. You don't need three fucking singles titles in a company this small that runs twice a month. It's like, I'm just like so annoyed by it because it just feels like such, it just depletes the value of the other title and just feels like, like right now there are three singles titles and there's like seven guys wrestling for them. And it feels like, it's like, 
And you just have this experience of like guys lose a title match and then immediately have a title match for another title. And you're like, why does this person have a title match? They just lost. You know, like you have sort of like, it's like you have Matt Riddle and Shane Strickland or like, and I guess now Darby are in the Evolve Championship division. And then you have like Joey Janela, AR Fox, Austin Theory, and like Darby Allen are all competing over like the FIP and WWN championships. Right? It just, I don't know. It's just like, you just. Yeah, they don't have a deep enough roster for this many singles titles. Like, right. Like New Japan has too many singles titles and they have a huge roster. Right. And so it just feels like, it's like, why? I like kind of can't really be bothered to care about this championship. I think it'll be a good match, but you're like, I don't know. I don't really care who wins. Well, uh, whereas is, like the Evolve Championship is like a real championship. Well, but having both of them and then the FIP title and putting Evolve and WBN on, on basically the same level destroys what it felt like when Zach beat Thatcher for the Evolve Championship. We will never right. have that again in this promotion until they get rid of one of these titles. I don't know. It still felt like a big deal. In, but no, you're right. Right. It, it just feels like... Yeah, it's overkill. It doesn't make any sense. Neither title is special at this point because of that. Yeah. Well, I feel like the Evolve Championship is still special. I don't but know, it's like, like not as special. Like if Darby beats Matt Riddle for the Evolve title, that will be exciting. Yeah. But I think it would be... But it's exciting because it's Darby. Right. Right? It won't be as exciting as like Zach winning that title. Like that was just a special moment where Thatcher had this one title forever. Right. And Zach finally overcomes him. And I just, I don't think they can recreate that with these two titles uh, at the same time on the same level. Yeah. I mean, although it's clear what matters, I, here's a little trivia question. When do you think was the last Evolve show that did not have Matt Riddle in the main event? In the main event? Yeah. Hmm. Well, it would have had to have been back when they were doing one where they didn't defend a title on a weekend, right? Like when Zach and Riddle were champions. I'm not going to give you any hints. I'm asking you to guess. Well, I don't know. <laughs> you have to go back to February's Evolve 100. With Zack Saber Jr. defeating Austin Theory, ah, for the Evolve and defending, retaining his Evolve Championship. Right. So if Riddle leaves, that's like a huge hole. Like, think about that and sort of where the roster is, where they've just sort of had to rely. They have these two titles, but there's one guy in the main event for so Evolve 101, 102, 103, 104, 105, 106, 107, 108. Plus the super show, which he also main evented. That's like nine straight shows that Matt Riddle's been in the main event. A half a half year, basically, of main events for Matt Riddle. So interesting I, to think about. And I wouldn't be like I know how this is listed, but don't be shocked if Matt Riddle versus Austin Theory goes on last uh, at Evolve One Hundred Nine. That's true. Yeah, can you give me one sec? I just need to plug in my computer. Yeah, sure. Well, I'll just, I'll vamp a little, I guess. We don't know 
I mean, this is how they have them listed, but they definitely have done uh, in the past where they throw in Riddle in the main event or somebody else in the main event other than how they listed it. I mean, the big one that I really remember, though, was when it was like you thought Austin Theory was going to be in the main event and then they uh, made they put that match on like first because <laughs> they, they clearly didn't have a lot of faith in Austin Theory. So I don't know. But yeah, that's... That's what I guess maybe they've done a better job. Maybe if I was paying better attention, I would uh, view the Evolve title as not quite on the same level. But I, I just don't think it's as, it's as special anymore. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, yeah, as we just talked about, the next match is going to be a non-title champion versus champion match with Matt Riddle taking on Austin Theory. Theory attacked Riddle after his match against A.R. Fox. So that kind of sets this up a little bit. Um, you think this is an opportunity to – Get Austin Theory a win over Matt Riddle on Riddle's way out? Maybe, yeah. But you look at this match, you're just like, who cares? Or sure. like, it just doesn't feel appetizing to me. And no. it, just, it always just feels, and it just felt like a clear, like, oh, I, it's, I think that right now is what's happening is Austin Theory is just feuding with everyone. They have kind of a thin roster and they have four shows in a month. So they're just having Austin Theory like mix it up with everyone. And so sometimes that works when it feels like authentic and real. And like it's just a real person who's like living their lives and getting into conflicts. But here it feels it just felt very like Austin Theory came out to attack Matt Riddle. Like there are times when it's like, oh, it's a, he's attacking him because they have beef or he hates him or he wants his spot. And here it just felt like Austin Theory came out to attack Matt, or Matt Riddle so they could set up a match. You know? Right. I think the issue with AR Fox is interesting because that's his like real life trainer and you have kind of right. like the you could have been one of us sort of thing. So that's like. Yeah, that's that. much more interesting. Yeah. That's fascinating, so we'll we'll see when that comes around, but this is kind of like whatever. I think it's also interesting that Austin Theory is better as a character as a heel, mm-hmm. but he's better as a wrestler as a babyface. Maybe, just, yeah. Well, Maybe. Remember him taking that beating against Trent? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. And that's when we started being like, oh, yeah, this guy can go. Or, you know, he's got some potential in the ring. I just think he's not he's not compelling on top in matches. Mm. He's much more compelling working from the bottom. A common Bentley complaint. <laughs> Is it? Old standbys. <laughs> Do I say that a lot? I feel like he said it a lot about Tracy Williams. Oh, he's definitely not compelling on top. And I'm sure Cara <laughs> and Erica are really enjoying this uh, this part of the podcast. Anyway, yeah. 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 So what I'm saying is Austin Theory is a bottom and uh Matt Riddle's a switch. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> no holds barred matched. Chris Dickinson with Stokely Hathaway uh versus Tracy Williams. Uh kind of a preview of the big loser leaves town match uh, coming up later in the month. And, uh, yeah, you would expect this to, like, have some kind of, like, fuck finish, something inconclusive yeah. or... Because it's basically, it's almost... I mean, Stokely Hathaway isn't in the match, but it's almost a carbon copy of of the big match. So you would expect some, some catch point shenanigans and 
things of that nature. Yeah, I'm just I'm tired of this feud. I just I, let's just get to the loser leaves town match and move on from this, please. Right. It's I'm ready for catch point to end. Plus, it's weird because like I want Chris Dickinson to win. Right. <laughs> and he's right. the heel in the story. Right. You're just, so. Yeah, exactly. You're like, it's like, ugh. yeah. Right. They have not done. Yeah, we've talked about it a million times. They've not done a great job of engendering sympathy for Tracy Williams. And no. Whatever. It might be All a right. good match. Whatever. Keep going. Special challenge match. Evolve Tag Team Champion Jocka with Stokely Hathaway takes on Josh Briggs. This really has the feel of like the first match devolves. Uh, oh, Josh Briggs yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah. That's exactly is... what's going to happen here. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Josh Briggs runs out and then, you know, they ring the bell and this match starts. Yeah. Yeah. So. For sure. Josh Briggs uh, 4-0 and in Evolve. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Pierce. Appears to be somebody they're really getting behind. He appears to be uh, contracted to uh, WWN. So I would imagine he will continue to win matches to keep uh, building him up. Right. And we saw, um, yeah, Stokely. He declined Stokely Hathaway's invitation to join Catchpoint and attack the Catchpoint boys last month. So, yeah, mixing it up. Now, the... I don't know if this will be the first match or not, but the only other match announced so far is probably my most anticipated match of the show which is a special attraction match. Shane Strickland takes on Saeed Al-Sabah. So the interesting thing for Al-Sabah on this weekend is can he perform in a singles match the way he did in the four-way, right? A lot easier to shine in a four-way than it is uh, when it's just you and one other dude. So we'll see what sort of skills he has on this front. But if he's as good as he was in that four-way, this could be very cool. Yeah, we'll see what where what happens with Shane Strickland after he wins or loses the Evolve Championship. Not a good sign that he's in a match against Saeed Al-Sabah on the next night. Yeah, who knows? We'll see. Yeah. Um, there will be more matches announced. Uh, A.R. Fox with Aylin the Skulker on this card. Uh, J.D. Drake and Anthony Henry separately. Of course, they're not a tag team anymore. The end, John Davis, Dom Garini, plus more to be added. I don't think that's true. Uh, but so that those are the cards for the first weekend. Um, I guess that's it. Is there anything else to say about these shows? No, I mean, I hope we get this company back on track because yeah, it yeah, feels yeah. like after last weekend, it felt there are times when it feels like the booking in the company feels like focused and there are like clear directions and things we're looking forward to. And then there are times where it just feels like there's a bunch of stuff going on. And you're not sure what to focus on. And there's no clear delineation of hierarchy. And, you know, you got a bunch of stuff moving around. And I hope that they, um, and sometimes they write the ship. And I think that a lot of times, like weekends where we're not high on things or where they have their best stuff, like the one thing you can always say is like the quality of wrestling is usually pretty strong in this company. So it's like, you could be being like great in ring shows, right? Um, so yeah, I think we'll see. Yeah, I happens. really worry about you know I had a uh, take a while back about like that Gabe is better when he seems like hungry and you know, when he's like cornered, right? And I don't know that that exists anymore because you know he got the big job with WWE, so like I don't know maybe he has to get fired from WWE for there to be another like really focused. Uh, booking time for Evolve. So 
I agree that the wrestling is still going to be very good, but I do worry that it's going to be hard uh, to get the, that sort of focused, uh, well thought out booking that we're used to uh, when, when Evolve is really good. Right. That's all. Yeah. All right. Uh, like I said, we'll be back early next week. Uh, it's going to be a little weird for me. I'm traveling this weekend, so I'm not sure exactly when we'll be back with our review slash preview show, but I'm really rooting for the shows this weekend because I'm going to be at the show in Chicago on the next weekend. Right. So I'm hoping that it's, they're going to set up some cool stuff for that. So I didn't talk about Twitter at the start of the show because I was so excited to uh, have Aaron back on the show. Of course, make sure to follow us at Evolve Pod. We don't post a lot, so we're not going to like blow up your timeline. Uh, mainly it's just if something happens in between shows, we'll throw out a little take. Uh, and we talk about the shows you know, as they're going on live. Uh, so follow us there at Evolve Pod. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. AT is at AP Taub. Uh, we post a lot on those accounts. So, uh, you know, buyer beware, I suppose. Uh, but I guess that's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you next week for Aaron. I'm Aaron. Bye. People have gathered around ideas since the beginning of time. Each successful collaboration pushing innovation forward, building a stronger future. Motorists Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have combined decades of experience to create an even better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders. Encircling businesses and individuals with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance.